Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder, Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Damage Control, Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, anti-aging supplement. Available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, introducing your host, L. Russ. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we have Aaron Alexander of the Align Therapy Podcast. You can also find more about him on aligntherapy.com website. Aaron has been working with clients of all ages seeking a variety of goals from pain relief to improved athletic performance for about 10 years now and is currently seeing clients at his office Align Therapy in downtown Bend, Oregon. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, L. I really love um, all your different podcasts and your website. You've got videos up there. Tell us about um, your journey, because I know you were a, a certified trainer to start. And, and tell us how you got into this this world and ended up in our sphere of paleo primal. I think I ended up in the sphere the same way as so many people do of, of um, you know breaking myself throughout growing up and just kind of uneducated, really focusing on creating lots of superficial muscles in my body was the big thing. And I think that was a product of insecurity and trying to kind of pile on physical tissue as a means of covering up the feeling of inadequacy or whatever it was as a little kid. And then eventually what that ended up leading to was the parts starting to fall off because they weren't balanced. There was no tensegrity or integration throughout the system. So, so are we talking leprosy or what? Fell- <laughs> <laughs> I mean- Close enough, like shoulder dislocations, uh, ankle dislocation, just like some clunky movement in general, you know, so starting off as an athlete and then witnessing myself as I got to be really big and I got into bodybuilding and I was like 220 pounds and 5% body fat and like superficially looked really really, really great. But just literally watching on a monthly basis, my movement starting to kind of diminish and then uh, recuperating from that, I guess, really. And I see that you also studied at the University of Hawaii, which is, I mean, one of my favorite places on planet Earth. So that must have been a really great experience as well. And you do massage therapy and everything. You're, you're, Align therapy is a perfect term for you. I mean, it's a we're talking about you really help people with a lot of movement stuff. Well, let's let's talk about what are you focused on these days? I mean, you see a lot of clients for a variety of um uh, you have a great podcast with great guests. Uh, what what are you working on right now? Like what's really in your sphere of what you're thinking about lately and what's in your uh, you know, your priority? The main priority right now, the thing that I'm kind of the most amused by is this correlation between the mind and the body or, you know, the mind body and uh, just how our physical movement is kind of uh, more than just bicep curls and tricep extensions, but it's, it's an expression of how we're feeling and how we're thinking. You know, when you meet someone that kind of moves dynamically or they seem really grounded and stacked and organized and all these kind of like structural integration terms in their body generally speaking about, you know, for my experience so far, it's been, you know, every time they're pretty well organized and content within the way that they think and the way that they feel and the organization around their life and such, you know, and so it's kind of like working from both ends of uh, the spectrum of both physical 
and emotional and diet and all of these factors. They're all kind of leading up the same mountain, you know, so, so drawing conclusions of this, of the connection between that is the thing that's the most inspiring to me these days. Well, let's talk about your personal experience with some of those things. What are some things you've noticed that that have been a mind-body connection uh, in your world that you're like, oh, hmm, you know, things that happen in your personal experience? Yeah, well, I mean, so personal, my personal experience right after this, that depression is soon to be the number one leading cause of disability. I think by 2020 or so, it's supposed to be the second. By 2030, they say it's supposed to be the number one leading cause, you know, and then when you look around the world as we're practicing staring into cell phones and staring into computers and sitting in the car and then the bus and then the train and the plane and then the office and then the couch and then you go to sleep and do it again the whole time we're practicing these archetypal positions of depression, which is, you know, medial rotation of the shoulders, protraction of the shoulder, uh, hyperkyphosis in the spine, forward head posture. They're all these integrated patterns of guarding, right? So if there's a saber toothed tiger that walks into my office here, I immediately go into this forward folded position, ready to fight, guard my heart, guard my organs, right? It's no time to menstruate if I'm a woman or, you know, process food if I'm a man or whatever, you know, it's like, it's time to just fight, take all that blood, pull it out of your organs, into your muscles and, and go, you know, and we've integrated that physical structural pattern as being an indication to our biology that it's time to fight. You know, and that's something that I witness with so many people. And that's something that I've got from being, again, insecure in high school, which led to me kind of putting on this like cool guy thing, you know, which is kind of hunching over my desk and, you know, sleeping during freaking history class or whatever. (laughs) And what that ends up translating to is just you're practicing collapse all day and your biology is listening, you know, so... That. Yeah, I guess another thing that popped up thinking about that was, um, you know, the body language in terms of when people are sitting down and their legs are crossed and their arms are folded, it's sort of a closed off uh, type of even just in something like that, people can be aware and go, hmm, am I, am I sort of closed off with my body language right now? Yeah, that's it. You know, and so that and so now you're starting to knock on the door that again, this is like my big, this is the, the Pandora's box that I'm by far the most fascinated by is this integration of every aspect of your life is practice, right? You know, so as, as you are having a conversation with somebody, like as I'm talking to you, you know, not that I'm any model of perfection or whatever, but I'm standing up on a foam roller. I'm thinking about, you know, cause I'm talking about it now. I'm thinking about this awareness of if I stacked a pail of water on my head right now, like people do all throughout the world, it's happening right now. Would I feel that connection all the way down into my feet or would I feel it break at my spine, break at my neck, break at my knee? If that break is happening, then with a pail of water, then the break is also happening with, you know, gravity, 9.8 meters per second squared, driving down through your body all the time. That's creating friction. Friction is inflammation. Inflammation is a product of things that you get into around nutrition, you know, or it could be emotional stress creates inflammation in the body as well, you know, or it could be physical structural stress, you know, so it's, 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 it's all, okay, we're all kind of marching up the same mountain here and all, all the strings are pulling at the same the same endpoint. 
You know, you seem like such a positive guy. I've spoken to you before and uh, happy, smiley and uh, totally my kind of people. And so, you know, I wonder when we're talking about mind body, you know, a lot of times people don't realize that. And I wrote it in my book, uh, a section about this, you know, in this state of fight or flight, your brain doesn't realize if the event is actually happening now or if you're reliving it and you're telling five people about an upsetting event each time your brain doesn't realize that whether it actually just happened or 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 it's a repeat in your mind, it's the same. It's like mental rehearsal, right? With athletes. And so, you know, I think the thing, the thoughts we think, and what do you do with clients that have um, attitudes that are really negative and collapsive and depressive in every way, because I'm sure you come across that a lot of people's thinking, and if we're talking mind body, what are some of the things you've seen that you felt like are some patterns with thinking you've had to help people turn around? Yeah, it's really, really tricky, you know, and that's uh, the, the, person that comes in, it's really interesting when you see someone that is more on the hypermobile end of the spectrum, you know, so they're just really, really stretchy and flexible. They tend to be kind of pushovers in a lot of ways in their life, you know, and they also, they also tend to be really, really easy to work with as far as I just push something with my elbow or my pinky or whatever. And it just, the tissue changes. What they're not so good with is stability, support and maintenance of that change right and so it's a it's 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 really interesting to see like okay cool so this person that's kind of hypermobile and they kind of lead with their pelvis and they're all free and open and love and peace they are really really crummy with deadlifts and squats and like getting to work on time <laughs> i like the gang to throw that in there that's great you know and, you know and then there's the other end of the spectrum where the person is, uh, you know, just really tense in their body and they're really good with holding on to patterns. They're really strong, really rigid. They got four kids and they're like the, you know, the, the beacon of everything. And, uh, but they're not willing to change anything about their physical body, you know? And so it's coming into, I've, I've found just education in general, the more that we can talk and the more that we can start to draw these relationships that my body is more than just, you know, muscle tissues and nervous tissue, but it's also this kind of consciousness. You know, and as we can start to kind of tease out some of those factors with people, they start to kind of shift, you know, and it's and, and beyond that, it's like, okay, let's change your diet. You know, if your diet starts to become, if you're eating an inflammatory diet, you know, it's causing things like maybe a part of the cause of depression, you know, or anxiety or insulin resistance, whatever it is, and you change that up, well, it changes their psychology, you know, and if you start to change their body language a little bit, it changes their psychology. So it's just like, you can't just drive and say, I'm going to change it all today. Like, it's not good luck. You know, it's, it's these you tease, you, you peel the onion layers back and eventually things start to stick. But sometimes it takes, you know, it feels like nothing's happening. And then three months in, two months in, you know, a year in their whole life's changed because you just had it. You peeled the onion layers enough that they're really ready to, to receive change. I know that sounds maybe a little bit kind of like esoteric out there, but I see it. Yeah. And also um, interesting on the sort of mind body, you know, I was talking to uh, interviewing some a doctor the other day, we we're talking about breast health. And, and he was talking about how, you know, we've, we've sort of been conditioned by this whole breast cancer movement to look at our breasts like they're time bombs, right? Or like, look at them at some, some <laughs> waiting to fall apart or, you know, when in actuality, they are really a wonderful 
bodily alarm system. You know, if something's off there, it's sort of generally related to that. Um, but but getting back to just like the mind body, you know, uh, so in that situation, I would and we would say to women, right, like, you know, to love and have the connection and the appreciation. I'm assuming a lot of people, at least, you know, when I was, when you're jacked up in a variety of ways, diet, health, you know, body, it's, it's tough to uh, be aligned, right? It's, t- it's tough to have that alignment with your, it, it takes practice, right? It takes self-affirmation. It takes sending the right messages to your body, you know, from your brain. And a lot of people aren't, I feel like, you know, your body is your best friend. You got to get in there and make it your best friend. And I wasn't always that way either. And I had a lot of health problems too. Um, but I find that it's just, it's just such a wonderful, not only a level of appreciation and gratitude for the body that you have, but then you're establishing this like buddy connection, right? Do you see a lot of that disconnection? And, and what are some stories or some, some aspects around that you can um, share with us? Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the, the rubber hand illusion, rubber hand experiment? Any of that stuff? Um, not sure. Oh man. So it's, so uh, I believe it was in 2004. I don't remember where it was exactly, but they took a person or people and they had uh, both their hands out in front of them. And then they took the one hand down, the left hand down. And the guy had a long, long sleeve shirt on. And they put a rubber hand there. And what they do then is they start to stroke the right hand at the left and the left rubber hand at the same time. And what would happen is their nervous system started to connect that rubber hand as actually being a part of their body. Then what they would do is they would do, you know, crazy stuff like, you know, pretend they're going to stab it with a knife or stab it with a knife and all the same circuits in their brain fire as though they're actually getting stabbed with the knife. Then the crazy part of this whole thing is what they found was the hand that was now becoming disassociated, their actual biological arm, was starting to be attacked by its immune system. So it's starting to have inflammation response and all these things where the body started to literally integrate and accept this rubber hand as being a part of their system. And now they're starting to fight and attack and destroy their own system. You know, so in reference to like being a buddy and being on the same team of your own body, you know, we can see that in experiments like that, where if you start to believe that you are separate from, you know, your physical tissue, your breasts, you know, or whatever it may be, it's going to start to change your immune response to yourself, you know, and I, this is kind of going out of my, my ballpark with talking about this, but it seems to make sense that things like autoimmunity you know, are in a a similar category of this, you know, or if we can start to develop a really loving, nurturing relationship with every nook and cranny of our body, then it's hard for stuff to fester in there, you know? And so it's, it's creating those relationships with all of the parts, you know, that that is a really an, an integrated functional moving human being, but we end up again, becoming consumed by superficial parts. I got the pecs. I got, you know, the, the glamour muscles and the beach muscles. I got the pecs and I got the abs and screw my liver, you know? And it's just like, no, it's like, there's, there's more in there, you know, but we just don't have, we don't ever get the education to start thinking about our organs. You know, it's like, who knows where the heck your stomach is? Does, you know, does anybody, it's, it's, it's rare. You know, I think that developing those relationships is crucial. Yeah. And on that same note, I mean, so many people, like you said, they're resistant you know, they were just resistant to changing these things, or they, they look at maybe you assessing, let's say the way that they move as being like, Oh, boy, hippy dippy, like this matters. And the thing is, is that it really does. <laughs> I mean, it, it really does. Um, and you do have to find all of those components. And I feel like when people hit rock bottom, then they, they realize that 
these things are applicable and necessary. I'm sure you've heard of there's so many great, you know, sort of placebo like experiments. But the one that I like was uh, there was a person who um, had like cancer or something and the doctor gave them this pill and then they read in the paper that the pill had been recalled or something and then they had like a recurrence of the cancer. So then the doctor gave them a placebo and said, oh no, 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 they created a new version of this same medicine and it's even better and it works. And they gave it to the person and they went into remission again. And then like a couple months later, again, this person read something or found something out about this medication and literally died within a couple of weeks. All through literally the mind, like they their perception and their reality of what would or wouldn't be helping them literally created in their body helping or hurting them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, right now, you know, anybody, if you have like a, you know, a dirty thought or you think about sucking on a lemon or something like that, you know, you can feel the lemon and ooh, scrunch it up, you know, or if you have kind of like whatever, an erotic thought, you're like, you feel it in your pants. You know, it's like, huh, interesting. I have no problem accepting that I can become aroused just by thinking about something and I can, I can affect my genitals, but to think that maybe I could visualize and have an effect on other parts of my body. No, that's new age nonsense. Right? No, that's a great example because that is, that is something relatable to everybody out there. You know, so it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's like the more, the the more you increase your belief in something, the more power you have to create that thing, you know, and that's something that we see anytime you do anything, you know, you, you have a little bit of a good thing. You're like, wow, like I, I recently uh, bought a house. Congratulations. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I was, it was in the, over the spring, but you know, I never bought a house before. I didn't even think that was like a possibility, you know? And then I was like, I decided to remodel, you know, I was like, yeah, I can, I can just, you can just change the floor if you feel like it. You know, you get you go down to the store, you get the tools, and then you can just replace the whole floor. You know, but before that had actually happened, it was kind of just like that seems impossible. I would need to call a contractor, it would be very expensive, you know. But it's the more we have these little victories in our lives, the more that we start to really, you know, gain momentum. And I think that if we would add a little bit of momentum to the, you know, the meditation tank and the visualization tank and the belief in your biology, in your self-healing, in your ability to whatever the thing is, you know, you start to develop momentum with that. But most of us we end up kind of chalking up anything that's not tangible in a beaker, has double blind study as being a crock. And that's super sad, has majorly, majorly limiting because that's, you know, we, we don't really know what's happening in our biology. And if we limit ourselves to what we've measured, we're a broken system, you know, and that's, that's the thing, I think. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, I've, I've been there before myself. And I think, you know, talking about education, I'd love to hear, you know, what some of your favorite spiritual or mind body teachers are. One of the things that I find really interesting in all of this is like, for example, we're still, you still might have an old pattern or an old thought that comes up or just a resistant thought. Like, uh, for me, it was, um, <laughs> actually when I was writing my book, I, I had not found a doctor to help me in so many years. And, um, uh, the publisher really, you know, wanted me to put a, have a doctor on the book. And I had the, this, my first thought was, Oh God, how am I going to find a doctor who knows about primal paleo health and then also knows what I know about thyroid health? Like that's impossible. I haven't been able to find a doctor for myself for 13 years. Like how am I? And then I just stopped myself and I was like, wait a minute. How about if it's going to be easy? How about, how about that? What if, what if it's just easy for me? And let me tell you something. 
I found that person, the, the, the right doctor who ended up saving my life. Amazing doctor, Dr. Forsman on my book. And um, I found him in like a week. Nothing. It was nothing. And some people might go, oh, well, whatever. It's like, well, why not have that thought? Why not switch it? Because at the very least, it might benefit you. It's certainly not going to hurt you. But the thought of I can or it's going to be hard, then there you go. Self-fulfilling prophecy, then it probably will be hard. And so, you know, I think it really starts with thinking. I'd love to hear some of your favorite, you know, people that you like on that kind of subject of mind, body and spirituality that way. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's coming up with with me with that is like one of the, like the main books that everybody poop poo poos on is like the secret. It's like ah, oh, it's, oh, it's one of my and favorite it's books like, in the whole world. It's amazing. Well, it's got a lot of good stuff in it, you know. But I, I think that I think that one of the things with that is is what's I, you know law of attraction and the universal energy and all that stuff. Like I think it's legit. I don't don't really feel totally connected with it. Yeah, like it's, it's it's a little bit bigger than my mind is able to comprehend, you know, but so is a lot of things. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds all right, you know, but I'm, I'm not really like, yes, tangible, I got it. But tangibly, what I can get is practicing these affirmations of, you know, whatever it may be, I'm going to find that doctor or I am I am a writer, you know, coming down and, and really just having that attitude of like, I am a writer, you know, or having really accepting that what you're doing is you're practicing that. And then when it comes down for that situation where you are actually connecting with the doctor or connecting with the person, whatever it is, it's going to give you the job or what have you, the girl, you know, or the relationship, you've been practicing that, that type of thinking for the last five years or 10 months or whatever it is. And so then the opportunity arises and you can just nail it. You can take it because you already have that momentum for that situation. You know, but if you're always just like, oh, that's all nonsense and hooey or whatever, and you're never practicing success in your mind, then when the opportunity does come to be able to seize it, you, you're coming from a dead stop, right? And that's the hard, that's the, it takes the most energy to get the engine going and move, move the metal frame, you know? And so it's like, if we can just maintain that momentum that we get from, you know, thinking positively in the secret and all that stuff, I think we end up gaining a little bit more like stickiness in our lives. We're able to pick up more. And does that make, does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. And when we, I believe like when you declare a thing, an affirmation or, you know, it, uh, it propels you forward in that direction. And the other thing too, I, I share with people is, you know, and I, I know you know this because you're in the health field. You know, a lot of people are running to doctors or therapists or other professionals to help them with themselves. And sometimes we do need assistance, but oftentimes the person doesn't play their part, right? They're just looking for someone to tell them what to do, give them a prescription or tell them how to think or be. And they're not actually doing the practice. You know, you can go into a therapist's office once a week, but then what are you doing the rest of the, you know, the rest of the time? And what are you thinking about? And what I tell people is, it's like, if you wanted to become a welder, let's say, you know, you need some training, right? You might even go to a class. It's like, if you want to be happy and you want to be successful, then there are lots of books by lots of happy, successful people that talk about how they got there. Why don't you go study that? And I don't often see people taking that step because they don't already believe it's even applicable in any way. And I think that that's a mistake because the education that I've done in that arena has made my life, you know, hundredfold better. And I'm sure I'm sure with you as well. So I believe it's also a matter of just stepping up and taking responsibility, not just for your health, right, but for your mental health for your, your journey, there's people out there that are 
really happy and successful. Why don't we see what they have to say, right? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's, but so the more empowered or integrated people are within their own health, the less money there is for the healthcare industry, you know? And so that, that's uh, as you, if you want someone to become dependent on the system or, you know, you know, sucking on the tea, paying the money, then you want them to be just healthy enough that they're able to keep on working and keep on generating income, you know, but you don't want them to be too good. You don't want them too much momentum because then they'll leave. You know, and so I don't think there's some big grand conspiracy here happening. I think it's kind of, I, I don't think there's one individual, you know, the Bilderberg Society or the Illuminati that's like in charge of it all. I think that we've kind of slipped in as a whole, as a system into letting go of our own empowerment and our own, you know, empowerment of our own health. And what's happening is now the whole, you know, now it's starting to shift, I think, but we are kind of really stuck or it's been inculcated into our, you know, since little kids to reach out for health, you know, and reach out for the pill, reach out for the doctor because they know everything, you know, and having in, instead, if we had a little bit change of paradigm, which I think it's happening, you know, where it's no, what about reaching in? <laughs> like, how do I do that? Where does that start? You know, and, but it's, 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 it's a, it's a long road when you have just, we don't get educated that in our schools, you know, and now you're starting to see there's been some, some, I saw some things on like social media in relation to like, uh, some schools, uh, introducing meditation in place of detention, you know? So instead of it, you, you're doing, you're doing detention for whatever, and you got to like make spitballs and stuff. It's all right. You want to be that way? Well, we're going to go and we're going to just, we're going to work on breath and it's not a punishment. We're just going to work on kind of like, you know, just working on being in your body. And what they find is that the detention rates and all that, you know, all the, the problems happening in the school, they drop dramatically. You know, and I think it's just a product of that starting to have a little bit more self-awareness. We're not taught self-awareness. We're just not. No. And on that note, I want to ask you, since you mentioned, you know, that you were very insecure in high school. And so as a guy, you know, how, how did you get through that? Do those yucky thoughts occasionally still pop up and then you have a way to just go, Hey, that's my old self talking. Or do those thoughts not even come up anymore? Cause I'm sure there might be men out there listening who may have residuals of that. And, you know, if you feel like you overcome it, I'd love to hear about that journey. Yeah, I've overcome a lot and I'm still working with a lot. And I'm pretty sure that is just the state of the human. I don't know that there's like, you know, you come to like enlightenment and you're just, you know, forever enlightened, you know, when the monk gets enlightenment, he, enlightenment, he keeps chopping wood or whatever, you know, so, you know, so I, I think that yes, for sure. And, you know, yes, I'm still dealing with all sorts of stuff, but, um, I think just by implementing healthy habits into your life, you know, and sticking with that, that's one way to get a lot of leverage, you know? So it's like, okay, like, I don't, again, the diet is such a huge one. I think, you know, if you are, are walking around and you're just a, a wreck and insulin resistance and you're always in this hyperglycemic place, yeah, you're probably going to be kind of irritable. You're probably going to be kind of low energy. You're probably going to feel heavy and inflamed and thick in your joints. And, you know, and that's just going to be kind of the way that you accept your, your feelings about yourself, you know? So I think kind of similar thing that I, I said before of like, if you can just start pulling at a wide variety of branches, then you start to develop a little momentum, you know, but it's like, it's the hardest thing once again is to get the car moving, you know? So when you're in a play, when you're in a dark place and you've, de and you've developed a really deep rut, 
I mean, any, I think anything really is a good way to start, you know, but then from there, I think again, meditation is a really big one. You know, that's been something that I'm, I've struggled with because my mind is like, one of the analogies that I, I really like is the, uh, have you ever, have you ever heard about like breaking a horse? I don't know anything about this. I just heard this as an analogy. Yes. <laughs> yes. I do. Yeah. My, I have neighbors that are horses too. <laughs> oh, good. So you probably tell me more about this. I just, I just know the analogy, you know, but you start off, you get a wild horse. Apparently, correct me, please. Apparently you tie him up to a long rope and you let him run and you just let him run themselves out, run themselves out, run themselves out. And then you slowly start to pull the rope in a little bit and then you slowly pull it a little bit more. And then eventually you get to a point where the horse is kind of, uh, you've allowed it to run itself out. You've allowed it to run its course and it's like, all right, all right. And all of a sudden, you know, you're eventually petting the horses back because it's, you gave it that time. You didn't force it in and fight it and wrestle it and battle it. I don't think you can do that. I think sometimes some of these ridiculous, you know, patterns that we end up doing, eating too much or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, I think maybe they're really important parts of our learning, you know, and if we, if we don't, or if we're not always stuck on fighting ourselves and sometimes we can just come into like full self-acceptance, um, I think that has a really huge impact on, on, on us. You know, I think that's all a kid really wants as well. You know, they just want to know that they have a safe home to come back to. And no matter what, they're accepted. Yeah. And if you can just accept where you are now and be okay with that, that's, uh, again, the first step. And I'm so glad you mentioned diet because when people and hypoglycemia, because, you know, when you when you transition, you become a fat burner. So many people talk about their anxiety disappearing. And of course, because you're not on this sugar roller coaster, which absolutely affects attitude. And so someone who's depressed or got some brain fog or whatever it is, you know, you got to start with cleaning the inside out because a lot of that stuff is absolutely affects the brain, the gut biome and serotonin and everything else or candida and all these kind of things. And, you know, you if in order to give your brain and your mental stability or your mental health a, a chance, you got to start, not necessarily start, but you definitely have to do do that element. I'm sure you, you probably see a lot of that with people with adrenal fatigue and some real issues with cortisol. And then probably after getting aligned, their their levels are great. And they've, let's talk about that. What are some good success stories or some things that have come up in your practice where you're like, wow, you know, I had this one person come in and they went from A to Z. Um, any of those kind of scenarios you can share? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a really cool experience for me the big thing is getting to connect with people a year years later and you know i haven't seen them forever and i'm just like hey what's up like you look like a different person <laughs> you know like what did you do and it has nothing to do with me at that point you know like they came to see me the way that someone would come to see you or see a doctor or whatever hopefully as as kind of like a compass adjuster you know, and it's like, okay, we're all sailing this ship, you know, and like, I, I know I'm going towards destruction here, you know, like I need to pay somebody or find somebody to just kind of just adjust my course a little bit, you know, and then what you get to see, you know, a year later, two years later, what have you is changes beyond just, you know, like physical, very obvious structural change, but you see change in people's skin, you know, the suppleness of their tissue. You see bags under their eyes starting to disappear. You see overall their energy higher. You see the way that they communicate themselves. They communicate themselves with their whole entire body, 
right? So many of us are stuck in this talking head reality and it is just so boring to listen to. You know, we, we communicate with body language. You know, there's like, whatever they say, it's 60% body language and they say it's 30% tonality. And then it's like, you know, it's less, there's like 7% or 8% words. That's something like that. You know, but it's like, that's how we talk. You know, we're, we're communicating via, via how we move and how we sound. You know, we don't really trust each other's words very as nearly as much as what their body is saying. You know, so when someone is talking to you, if they say one thing, but they move another way, you are always, always, always going to trust the movement. You know, and so as far as like one specific story, yeah, there's, there's a handful of specific things. But it, the, the general thing is seeing people start to inhabit their bodies for the first time. We've, they never got an education or inspiration around how to inhabit my body. It's not just P90X. It's not just bicep curls. It's, <laughs> it's, it's how it's not 10 days of CrossFit every week. CrossFit, you know, all those are fine, you know, but it's, it's, it's cultivating your life into being a movement practice. You know, and that gets into, th- you know, things like Aikido and Qigong and like all these like, whoa, Eastern, Eastern type approaches. And it's like, yeah, they're legit. You know, there's a reason people have been doing this stuff for thousands of years. You know, there's some, I heard something recently is like, if you want to find some new information, look in really old books, you know, it's like everything, every, <laughs> everything, everything that we're, that we're coming up with all this really new, amazing, you know, like the paleo movement. <laughs> you know? well, that's definitely old. I wonder if there's like some dead dead caveman that's like, damn it, I should have gotten credit for this freaking stuff. <laughs> like, I'm getting no credit. They wouldn't give a shoot. Credit, I think, is a new thing. You know, that's you're like, right. You know, there you go. They they would yeah, they would care about that's, that. I think that's a product of it. Yeah, it's the whole property ownership. That's my idea. It's like, oh, shut up. <laughs> and I think it's amazing when you talk about like you seeing people after a couple of years and you just, you know, their whole vibration is different. You know, it's amazing too when people get their thyroids fixed or adrenals fixed and you can just hear it in their voice. They are confident. They are excited and happy instead of a general malaise and sort of a downery. You know, you can hear the energy in their voice. And part of that is because they've stepped up and taken control and, and, you know, participated in their, their health journey. And that, that's so empowering, you know, because A, it works. It'll eventually work. You keep searching, you'll find it. Right. And, and so when people have reached that point, then it's such a success and they can look back and feel so in charge and confident that they, you know, went and helped help themselves, you know? Yeah. 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 And the thing I, I keep, I keep pulling myself out of like my ballpark. I'm, I'm a lot more savvy with talking about you know, the body. But, uh, you know, so something in relation to the physical structural body uh, from a hormonal level is when you're standing, everybody's seen like the Amy Cuddy TED Talk, right? You know, where it's like you're standing in an upright winning position, you end up increasing testosterone levels, you end up decreasing cortisol levels, stress hormones. Is that why you're standing right now? <laughs> increasing Part testosterone. Of it. Yeah, I'm standing just because it's it feels good, you know, and that's, that's the thing is it, sometimes I think we believe that these lazy, broken positions we're like saving energy somehow with that that is not true we're degenerating ourselves with that we're actually losing draining energy with that you save energy create energy by creating a stack an organized stack through the whole system i mean anybody can do this right now if you just go into like a push-up position 
and just you know get your hands out in front of you there and you, you twist your elbows in a little bit and you know, do like external rotation engages the shoulder girdle blah 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 and then you find a stack from your hand through your elbow to your shoulder engage your midsection and you can hold that position for a while you know right now just change it a little bit now just bend the elbow a little bit Right now, all of a sudden, ho ho ho! Now we're not st- we're not dependent on the structural structural kind of like bony system. Now, all of a sudden, we're dependent on the muscular system. Muscular system is going to burn out, you know. And that's what you see when you see someone that has any type of compromised pattern throughout any part, from their foot all the way up to their head, any point that has kind of that you know concavity is breaking down, this twisted, turned, torque, whatever. Um, and isn't able to distribute that weight cleanly through, it's going to break down. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to become tired, right? And then that general malaise that you're talking about, for a lot of people, it's a product of their physical structure is tiring to be in. You know, they're, they're just in a, a, a energetically inefficient architectural structure. And instead of having, you know, if, if, if you had a building, you'd have to create some kind of support system or guy wire to keep it up, right? And you'd have some little people down there holding the guy wires. Oh, don't let the building fall over. Those people holding the wires of that building in your body is all those stabilizer muscles, all those muscles in your nervous system and just all that taxing energy holding you in this aberrant uh, compromised position all day long. Right. So if we can give people the information on how to start reorganizing their home being their body, uh, the uh, what are the what are the what are the little guys that held the big giant down called? They're like Lilliputians. How are they called? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no. Come on. That's in, in, in the big giant. In- the big giant. He's held down. I think it's something Putians, little Lilliputians. He's held down and they like shoot arrows over him. And he's like. You don't know what I'm talking about? I'm like, the Menehune? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, Menehune, that's why. <laughs> anyways, anyways, the whatever stuff, I'm sure, I'm sure, hopefully a lot of people know what that reference is. But all of a sudden, those guys that are holding that structure in place, they can relax. You know, now all of a sudden, you have all this new energy to invest in your relationships, to invest in your business, to invest in your just general well-being, right? You want to treat yourself well because you believe that you deserve it. You believe that you deserve it because every time you look in that mirror, you see a strong, upright, integrated man or woman. If you look in the mirror and you see a loser, you know, or you see a defense, you know, in a defense mechanism, you don't treat yourself so well because you don't believe it. Right. Um, you know, one of the way, and you're, I want to ask you a couple questions about this because obviously you are, a master body worker, you have so much experience in the field of massage and rolfing, etc. So I wanted to ask you, because one of the things like in the past, if I would go through phases where, you know, you're eating crappy or whatever, and then you're like, all right, I need to like do a cleanup and I need to get back on track. One of the things that I would do immediately was I, I would go and get several massages because there was something about that that really connected me to the health of my body that made that journey to get on the right path so much easier. And I'm sure I'm, I'm sure you would agree, obviously, massage is, is valid for that. I, a lot of people don't know about rolfing. I have, um, there's so many things out there, people are like, oh, it's so painful. It's so off. Who, what, tell us what rolfing is, and who might be a candidate for that? Is that really for people who are just specifically in pain and dealing with an issue? Or can that be just a more intense level of body work for someone to just help along their healing journey, no matter what it is? 
Yeah. Well, Rolfing, so it comes from Ida P. Rolf. It's like one of the worst names for advertising you possibly think <laughs> of, I think. It's, <laughs> it's like a really bad joke, yeah. Oh, so bad. The first time I heard a guy tell me he, that uh, he just got back and got Rolfed like really well, I was just like, I was I was disgusted. Right, right. <laughs> it just like, sounds like vomit, yeah. yeah. I don't want to hear any more details about your Rolfing. You know, and then I found out what it was and I went to school for it. You know, but... Uh, Essentially, what it is, it's kind of like old school osteopathy, which most Americans don't know what osteopathy is. But it, but it's it's getting the body. If you go to Europe, everybody knows what osteopathia. It's like it's like oh yeah, of course osteopathy. That's great. Uh, in the United States, we're all allopathic, MD or nothing, you know. But uh, it's getting all the parts in working order. Again, same same conversation as before. Stacking all of the parts so that the body's internal healing mechanisms are able to work. You know, so the cells are able to respirate and, you know, and it's like that you're able to actually those inherent functions that should just naturally happen. If you're in flow with nature, you know, you're moving through the woods, you're barefoot, you're climbing trees, you're hunting, you're gathering, you're doing all that stuff. You're in circadian rhythm with the sun. I think your biology just naturally works with that. You know, but by putting ourselves in these compromised positions, we kind of it's almost like putting a, a screwdriver in the pump. You know, we're not able to pump those cells to the same degree that they want to. And so the goal of, I prefer the term structural integration, which is a broader term. Rolfing is a specific trademark term. Um, you know, so the goal of that structural integration is exactly, it's, it's quite district descriptive, that term, you know, it's integrating, organizing all the parts of the body via the connective tissue, right? So instead of like a chiropractor thinking like whacking joints, high velocity adjustments, we're thinking all the guy wires that are connecting that's the, uh, to the joints, right. Or to the bones. Right. So we're thinking of, you know, the shoulder girdle, you know, so all of the not just pec minor, pec major, you know, but also all of the connective tissue between that, you know, not just clavicle, not just scapula, but all the connective tissue kind of binding that together. And if you ever have, have you ever seen, do you know what a tensegrity model is? Buckminster Fuller, any of the little toys, if you press. I know, I know who Buckminster Fuller is in his work, but I don't know the the toy of which you're speaking of. Well, that's so he, so his whole thing was, well, one of his whole things that he had a lot of things, but tensegrity was one of the big things. So there's big models that he had. And essentially what it was, was I have one, I have one here. You can, you can hear it. Um, essentially, if you push one part of that tensegrity model, which is kind of like elastic bands connecting various different uh, dowels or sticks or whatever. And once you connect the whole system, if you push any part, the whole entire system adjusts to that, right? And that's the state of our physical body, right? We are not, every bone in our body is floating. We don't have this Newtonian lever system like a lot of us believe because we only see two-dimensional paper textbooks. Once you go into life, the textbook kind of goes out the window in a lot of ways, you know, so it's, it's getting into this, this three dimensional tensegrity floating bone system that is our body, right? And when you can start to organize those joints and have balance front to back, left, right, inside, outside, then all of a sudden you have this beautiful thing of expansion and decompression. But as soon as you twist, pull, turn, one portion of it, the rest of the body needs to compensate for that. You could look at it like a, like a shirt. If somebody's wearing a shirt right now and you just pull the front of the shirt down towards your hip, right? That could be kind of like, you know, you could say if you're doing like a lot of, uh, uh, crunches, right? And you're strengthening, strengthening your abs, pull that shirt down. And what happens? All of a sudden you feel it in your shoulders. You feel it in the, in the backside of the shirt. 
right? So you can't change one component without changing every component, essentially. That was a really, really verbose way of explaining. My apologies. No, 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 it's great. Um, what, obviously, everyone's an individual and, you know, everyone's got a different story. But aside from just, you know, telling everyone out there like, hey, be more aware of your movement. What, and obviously, you know, exercise or standing more is, of course, something we'd suggest, even if you can only walk to the mailbox right now, then, you know, that's all you can do. But for people out there, how can people give us a guide on how we can start to look at our movements and look at our life uh, in this way that you help your clients? What's, what are some thoughts? When we wake up in the morning, what are some things we can start to be, just try to be in tune or aware of? Is it being aware of our body language throughout the day? I mean, what, what kind of tips can you give us? Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the codification of all that stuff that, that gets a little bit more challenging or it can be. But one thing people can do is just look at like, if you haven't figured out how to squat down while not allowing your knees to drop in, not allowing your spine, your spine to cave forward, um, you know, all of that, then what are you doing? You know, that, that's like, it's pretty crucially important that you're able to come all the way down to the ground and come all the way back up. You know, so something that people can do right now is just, that's a good one. Yes. Come, come down into a squatting position. And if you notice your knees dropping in, I promise you're putting your, your glutes, your butt muscles probably aren't engaging, which that's kind of, if you're in a sitting position, you're in that elongated butt position all the time and you get what's called gluteal amnesia, your ass forgot essentially. Right. And so that's, that's a legitimate term, gluteal amnesia. Right. And so as you're coming down through there, the glutes and all that pelvic tissue, it's crucially important to be able to stabilize the stacrum, stabilize the lumbar spine, and be able to actually drive that weight through the strongest joint in your whole body, which is your, your pelvis, right? So as you're coming down, you want to make sure you, your feet are facing straight ahead-ish. It's okay if they're angled out a little bit. And then something you can play with is just imagine you're screwing your feet into the ground and your knees are going to go out wide and you're immediately going to feel your glutes turn on, maybe for the first time in a long time. And then from there, you want to make sure that you have same thing that water pail is 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 uh, able to connect from your feet or your head all the way down to your feet. So that it's a steady drop and a steady up, like a, steady, as, yeah. as seamless yeah. as you can, right? To make it and smooth. Seam- yeah. Yes, that's a, such a beautiful term. Yeah, I, that's a term that I I use a lot. I'm not sure who came up with it. I might have come up with, it, but seamless movement. I'm sure a lot of people are saying that, but but uh, that's such a big thing. You know, if you have this, these, by the way, I just did it a couple of times very successfully. So I feel very good about myself right now. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's, that's a huge, huge thing. That's telling you so much about the quality of the range of motion, not just through your hip. You're looking at the quality range of motion through your ankle joint. You're looking at the quality range of motion through your knee and through your hip, through your spine, the integrity that you can maintain through that. Right. So if you come down and you have that water pail on your, on your head and your shoulders, you should be able to keep that weight driving down through the middle of your feet the whole time through a full range of motion into a third world squat. If you can't do that, then you are walking around with, uh, Moshe Feldenkrais would call them parasitic patterns or parasitic movements. One of the, did you mention Feldenkrais just now? Yeah. Yeah. That's, Oh yeah. I did that years ago with Alexander technique as well. And I found both extremely helpful <laughs> and really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's clearing up those parasites, you know, every, to every time that you have, and that's, that's his language, you know, but every time that you have a point in your body, a joint that isn't, you're not able to, to really stabilize that as you're going through a range of motion. Uh, you're essentially dumping power from that point, 
right? So as you're coming down through that range of motion of the squat, also thinking about what's happening with your pelvic floor, right? You're winding up, you're opening up all that, all that, that pelvic floor tissue, right? And that's one of the, you know, it's like incontinence. That's a real bummer. That's, you know, diaper industry for adult diaper industry is over a billion dollar industry. That's completely unacceptable, you know, but it's, it's because totally unacceptable. I would just jump off a bridge if I, I'm sure a high percentage of people listening right now have experienced it, you know, and, and that's, and that's, it's, it's unacceptable, but it, it's, it's what's happening. And it's, it's a product of our movement. It's not because you're drinking too much, too much water. It's, it's a product of you lacking that suppleness or that buoyance throughout your, uh, throughout your pelvic floor. You know, it's, it's supporting all that, all the, all the pressure of your inter abdominal pressure. It's, if it's, if it's not able to be supported and organized, you're going to have problems, you know, bladder prolapse. That's a super bummer. Well, what about, you know, I mean, uh, this is such a universal topic right now with all the cell phones and all of the technology, you know, the text neck, right? You know, I mean, how many times have we just noticed you're, you're just, you got your neck jacked down for hours staring at a phone. There's, there's ways to be aware of that and go, okay, I need to change my position or even ergonomics at your desk where you need to be maybe more aware and say, am I, am I hunching and you're know, like pushing up my shoulders right now? Because that's just a recipe for tendonitis or repetitive strain injury too. So, I mean, I think people in the workplace or in general, obviously monitoring your movements, making sure there's times when I'll be sitting at a desk and doing something at the computer. And then, you know, I just noticed I've been like leaning to the right for half an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you're, and then you're like, ah, oh, I, I didn't even notice that. And then you're, you're jacked up. And like you said, the rest of the body's compensating and it, it feels off. And then you've got a little bit of a kink there. And so I think sometimes it's just like being aware of, you know, if you are sitting or even standing, you know, sometimes when I'm standing, I would favor the right foot more often and I'd be leaning that way. And then I would have sort of issues on that side. So to me, it was like when I stand, I needed to, do it the other way or do it even, even weight on both, you know, things like like little things like that I can think of right now that could just sort of help a few people. Are there some other little tips like that, that you could throw out for us to be aware of certain movements to prevent, you know, injury and things like that? Two things. So for, for one thing, standing, you know, they, they say like sitting is the new smoking. That's not true. <laughs> sitting like a jerk is the new smoking, right? So sitting and having being hunched over, sitting on the backside of your sit bones, your ischial tuberosity is the bony things coming out your butt cheeks, sitting on the backside of those guys and hunching over in this broken position. That's the new smoking. That's unacceptable, right? But as you're sitting down, you should be able to, again, have that water pail up on your head and feel that weight evenly distributed all the way down into your sit bones. That's lotus position in yoga. Thousands of years we've been doing it, right? You know, it's the same thing with standing now, right? But now instead of your sit bones being your feet, your feet are your feet. Right? And you want to be able to drive that weight down through your feet. Then you're in a functional position. Congratulations. You know, as you're up into the text neck business, that forward head posture, right? It, as upper, it ends up translating to upper cross syndrome where like the suboccipital muscles get short, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what you want to do is you want to maintain that length through your spine and send a text. It's not complicated, right? So if you can keep that water pail driving down through your feet as you send a text, it's fine. You know, minus the Wi-Fi, minus the lack of range of motion that you're getting out of like the ciliary muscles in your eyeballs and we're not able to look over the horizon and all that. And there's a lot of cascade of effects from that. But, you know, send your text, look over the horizon, keep your spine long and you're fine. 
<laughs> you know, it's just, we're, we're just, we don't have enough education and then it, and we end up getting lazy. And then because we're lazy, we're tired. And then because we're tired, we're more lazy and it just, our life starts to hurt, you know, but little, little factors start to clean a lot of things up. Yeah. And I mean, on, on a personal note, I mean, I work out almost every day. I'm an active person, but there are times when I sit more than I should. And then I notice that and then I go, okay, you know, I need to start standing. And when I first start standing after a bout of not doing it often, I get tired easily, you know, for, you know, because I just haven't been doing it for a while. And then, you know, the more you do it now, you know, I can stand for hours and it's totally comfortable and wonderful. So it's incremental. You know, the, the strength and the stamina gets longer and longer, just like with anything, the more you do it. If you can only stand for two minutes, you know, and that's the, all you've done, then that's fine. Maybe the next day it's three minutes, right? So, I mean, even with someone like me who's very active and, you know, healthy and I work out, even that can be a crutch for me if I don't do it often. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we all can get down to those patterns. Yeah. Yeah. And having something, so it's, it's all about, you know, perturbation, you know, fancy word for keeping yourself moving a little bit, you know, so if you are standing in one of those, Oh, what do they call them? Those little like stability pads, whatever. I don't have, I just stand on a foam roller, you know, but just have something that you are always pumping a little bit because that's how you move fluid, right? So you have heart, your heart that pushes fluid out or pushes blood out, to get it back there, you need contraction. To move your lymph, you need contraction. There's also, you know, the, the, the pressure in your system. But the contraction is what really allows all those blood vessels and all of the lymph and all of the glands and all of the magic that is your biology to function. If you're not having these little mini contractions, that's why if you're walking on a track or you're walking on the road, man, if you, if you have the choice of walking on a trail, what are you doing? Get on a trail. You know, it's, I agree. I'm such a trail person anyway on a regular basis. So I'd so prefer it versus pavement. Well, there's obviously. a million different factors for that. You know, it's like the Japanese call it nature bathing, you know, and increased natural killer cells, blah, blah, blah. It's like you could also say you're looking over the horizon. You could also say you're breathing in all the pollens, which increases testosterone. You could also say you're going through all these dynamic ranges of motion with your feet, which is causing your brain to think more because you have to process the information that's happening in the earth underneath you. You know, when you, if you allow yourself to be in a boring environment, you will become dull. And that's what we're doing. We're putting ourselves in an environment where we're outsourcing all of this precious movement to the machine, to the garage door opener, instead of, instead of getting out and doing a little mini deadlift, which would turn into like a little power clean, which would turn into kind of like a throw. Like that'd be a great movement if you open your garage door every day. But instead we press the button, you know, and so our biology just says, all right, screw it up. <laughs> You know, you don't need me. I'm out of here. <laughs> do you uh, do you stand up paddle by any chance? Yeah, I just did yesterday. It was great. I was, I mean, yeah, I do. But yesterday, uh, it was cold outside, which was great. I was like wearing a wearing a big puffy jacket. It was the cutest thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> I love. Yeah, no, that is. I love. Yeah, well, because if you do it well enough, you don't fall. So you can wear like sweatpants and a sweatshirt without worrying about uh, falling in the water. But the reason I bring it up is because you're talking about the the feet and the balance. Whenever I've introduced it to someone who's new at it. The day that the moment they step off the paddleboard after they could just even be out for 15 minutes and then they come in, their legs are shaking. And then after that, the next day, I always get a call, which is like, oh my God, my feet 
or like there's like I have pain in my feet. And because they didn't even realize, but all that it took for them to balance, and that's why stand-up paddling is so great, is because it is working every single muscle that normally goes unworked when you're just walking around on pavement in high heels or regular shoes. And it's such an uh, interesting experience for people to be like, what? I've never even had that. Like my this weird thing in my foot hurts. And it's like, yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and with stand up paddling, it still does lack, um, some adaptation with the feet, but what it does have for that, because you're not going through like rocks and roots and all that stuff. So I would still, you know, you want that if you want to be like a nature mover, which I think most people probably want to be, want to be, you know, but, uh, one of the things that you're getting with stand up paddling is you're able to really start integrating all that posterior, the back of your shoulder girdle business, you know, so, so lower trap and rhomboids and all that stuff. As you're pulling back through, you're really starting to have a conversation with the backside of your shoulder girdle. The front side is the side that's kind of that text message side and the typing side and the folded forward side, the insecure part. You know, as you start to wind that up, it puts you in that place of defense. Another big thing with the paddle boarding that's nice is if you can maintain that long, erect, neutral spine, then every time you take that paddle stroke, now you're going to bend down. I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm right, you're, I know exactly what you're talking about because that is a great feeling, isn't it? <laughs> it's good. And what you're doing is you're driving your hips forward. This, I know. I love that feeling so much. It's so great. I wish everyone could experience it. it it's, it's that. And, and why that feels so good is you're starting to stir up a part of yourself that's the opposite of modernity. What modernity ends up doing in all these sitting positions, which is since like Egyptian times, we had chairs. I think that was the beginning of it, you know, but, but it's, it's that sitting position all the time that degenerates and destroys all that pe- precious posterior tissue. If you can be in something like that, where you're squatting, thrusting, squatting, thrusting. I mean, I hope this doesn't make anybody uncomfortable. I think that's one of the reasons we like sex. You know, I think it turns on parts of your body that you just haven't, you don't turn on when you're sitting at the office looking at Facebook. Right, right. So more sex, everybody. That's more one sex. message for today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more paddling. <laughs> if you can't do more the sex, paddling. get into the paddleboard. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, so aside from, so I know you work with clients, uh, in person and in Oregon, do you work with people remotely through Skype or over the phone? I get asked a lot and yes, I have. It's not something that I'm, I'm like specifically set up. It's a thing I do. Um, I did a bit, I do, I do quite a bit of traveling it seems. And so, yeah, sometimes I have done that, but it's not something I like offer per se. It's only when people ask specifically. Well, tell us how to find you other than aligntherapy.com. Uh, mm-hmm. We can also find your podcast on iTunes of the same name. And you've got some great guests and obviously you're a wonderful host. Um, tell us how else we can find you. Are you on social media? I am. Yeah. Everything's under Align Podcast. So the, the podcast is actually called Align Podcast. And uh, so it's not Align Therapy Podcast. If you look that up, I don't know. I don't know if you, you might find it still. But um, all the social media stuff's under Align Podcast. I think there might be one floating out there that I'm pretty sure they're all Align Podcast. But yeah, AlignTherapy.com, that's the hub of everything. Excellent. And tell us anything else you'd like to leave our audience with before we before we go. Man, oh man. <laughs> um, 
I think that was good. That was that was pretty really fun getting to talk, talk with you. I have like the the self care kit thing on the website. If people do want to get all of the, it's a foam roller, screw on screw on lids, balls, bands, door anchor, all the stuff that you'd want to keep your tissue hydrated, moving, and all that um, inside of a package. And from home, which is great. and from home, yeah. So you know, so it's so it's all about even if you don't get that, just make sure that you got a cylinder in your life. Make sure you got some balls. Make sure you got a band, and you're able to adjust the height of it. You know, and what that allows you to do is really fun you can dip, decompress your shoulder decompress your something i like to do is like visceral massage or organ massage with it where i'll kind of just strap it back behind and then i'll kind of lean it up against my guts and kind of just roll around and get some movement around my viscera it's a place that people forget you know we very few people like we like we mentioned have uh, like a connection with that that place and um I think that's, I think that might be, I'm working on a video guide, like an all inclusive A to Z video guide in relation to integrating functional movement into your day, all aspects of your life. Oh, that'll be great. When do we expect that to be up? That should be up by December time. So probably a little bit after this, after this guy's up. But if people get on the podcast and all that stuff, I keep, you know, updates on that. And I, uh, podcast is one of my favorite things to do in the world. So hopefully people get to enjoy that. I agree. I'm with you. That's where we're both here. Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, Aaron Alexander of uh, aligntherapy.com or the Align podcast. Um, you can find it on aligntherapy.com or through iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much. Yeah. And I'll release the episode with you on the same time as this. And so people can, you know, we can s- switch over. Oh, great. Yes, uh, because everyone out there, Aaron did interview me about uh, my book, The Paleothyroid Solutions. So that's what we're talking about. Excellent. Which was awesome conversation. That was one of my favorite, favorite conversations. Oh, yay. Thank you so much. All right. Well, have a great day and uh, we will talk soon. Cool. Ciao. Bye. Hi, folks. Mark Sisson here. And I'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet, the Primal Health Coach Program. My mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching but have been held back by worries such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest growing specialty in all of coaching, and we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. We also have payment plans available, so you can start immediately for just a dollar down. The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis. The world needs you. Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit PrimalHealthCoach.com and subscribe.